0: Uh, I'm gonna say no one's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow. Up. Welcome to the Friday. May 15th edition of Locked on Dolphins brought to you by Built Bar. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and we we honestly really should have seen this coming, if we're being completely honest. The great Tua wars have only just begun. <laughs> In the build-up to the NFL draft, there was this massive debate amongst Dolphins fans about who was the appropriate pick, you know, why it should be Tua... That seemed to be a really popular. The consensus on Twitter was, Tua Tungabailoa needs to be the pick. You go on Facebook, and as the managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, Facebook is a large platform for how we share our content. And a lot of fan engagement on Facebook, a different demographic, and like a completely different subsection of Dolphins fans than what I experienced through Twitter. And the general consensus from Facebook was, Well, no, two is too injury prone. We need to draft Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or take somebody else and then trade up for Jordan Love. Like that was really popular on Facebook. So we get through the build over the NFL draft, and the draft finally comes, and two is the pick. And like we can all get excited about it because we've talked at least on this show, and those of you who listen to Locked On Dolphins understand that you know what the Dolphins are trying to do is build a infrastructure and an offense that's going to run and operate to Tua's strengths based on what Tua did best at Alabama. Should be a closed book, right? Like, okay, this is what they're doing. This is their vision. Let's hope it works well, and let's root for the offensive line to jail. No. Not Dolphins fans. No. Now, Now instead of fighting about who the pick needs to be, now we need to fight about when Tua needs to play. Constant Debating this week on social media, Tua's got to start week one. Tua shouldn't play at all in 2020. We've talked a little bit on this show about the dynamics, and predominantly I'm not a fan of the idea of putting Tua on the field until we know the offensive line is fixed. So what does that rate and progression look like for me? Ryan Fitzpatrick starting the year. He's a 38-year-old veteran quarterback quarterback contract year. This is literally why you bring Ryan Fitzpatrick into the building. Forget about last year. Last year, the sweat equity that we put in and still being able to draft two and draft fifth overall, but finishing the year five and four over a final nine games and Ryan Fitzpatrick elevating the play of those around him so we can get an accurate depiction of who the keepers are on the offense versus who the players are that we need to move on from. Well... I would be playing Ryan Fitzpatrick week one, and I would be perfectly content to let Ryan Fitzpatrick take the battering that is inevitably going to come with potentially five new starters in the offensive line. At a minimum, we will see three new starters. Expectations should be at least four new starters, but we could see five brand new starters in the offensive line. Ryan Fitzpatrick, his experience, his experience with Chang'e offense These are all logical things that we can piece together and point to and say, yes, let Ryan Fitzpatrick serve as, I don't want to call him the sacrificial lamb because he's not the sacrificial lamb. But Tua is going to fly because Ryan Fitzpatrick crawled through the mud and let Tua sit on his back as a rookie before he learned the playbook. Theoretically, that's how, in my mind, it would work. But I do hear the cries of those Dolphins fans who want to see Tua sooner rather than later, and I do think there is a pathway to seeing Tua get on the field sooner rather than later. What does that look like? Well, that's a complicated question. But what thing do we know for certain Tua needs to do to ensure he can overcome bad offensive line play? And it gets it plays back into some of the things that I talked about earlier this week when we talked about... Setting expectations for two rookie offensive tackles. The Dolphins' offensive blueprint as a result of presumably two rookie offensive tackles is you're going to see this team run the ball out the wazoo. They are going to challenge you downhill. They're going to lean on their power. They're going to try and keep the third downs manageable, and they have physical bodies up front who are at least capable of winning one-on-one situations now. And that in turn will prevent defenses from teeing off in pass rush situations. That in itself is not enough for Tua, but that is a part of the blueprint for how Tua gets on the field and the Dolphins are comfortable with playing him despite so many new pieces on the offensive line, sooner rather than later. I, I go back to Josh Rosen. And I think about Josh Rosen's struggles all throughout the reports in training camp, and when we saw Josh Rosen on the field, what did he struggle the most with? Genuine question. There was pre-snap issues with Josh Rosen, yes. But I don't think that really was... You know, you can be in a bad play and still make good things happen. We didn't see a lot of that from Josh Rosen in 2019. Josh Rosen's biggest issue was his time to release the football. He played in six games. He started three, completed 53% of his passes, threw five interceptions, 3.3 adjusted yards gained per pass attempt, in large part because he lost 93 yards on sacks and was sacked on 12.8% of his pass attempts. How does that happen? You hold the ball too long. That was the problem, that was the biggest problem with Josh Rosen in my eye, watching him in 2019. After the snap, the decision-making process was too slow. So for Tua, player with RPO, he thrives on his first read. If it's there, he's going to be dead accurate with it. You know that. He can work the full field of progressions. But he's a very big play-minded individual. It's not that he can't process the information. It's he knows what's going on and knows where his opportunities are to make big plays. And instead of just taking your checkdowns and getting the ball out quick, so you're going to have to put two on a shot clock in training camp. The ball's out, man. Two and a half. ball's got to be gone. Cannot hold the ball longer than two and a half seconds at, like, a max. You're sitting here... Well, 3.1, and that might not seem like a lot of time. But relative to NFL quarterbacks, two and a half to three seconds is a very big jump for how much time you're holding the ball within the pocket. Some interesting stats courtesy of NFL Next Gen Stats uh, based on quarterbacks in the 2019 season. Really cool. You go to nextgenstats.nfl.com, And you can look at a number of advanced passing stats for quarterbacks. The fastest time to release for quarterbacks in 2020 or 2019 from snap to ball leaving his hand was Cincinnati's Andy Dalton, 2.51 seconds. So two and a half seconds. Andy Dalton last year, Playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in football, was still able to post 60% completion, 3,500 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He was sacked 37 times, which is still a high number for uh, only having 528 pass attempts. He was sacked on 6.5% of his Uh, past tense as a point of reference i was looking at this looking at russell wilson with the report that came out that russell wilson was reportedly offered to the cleveland browns for the number one overall pick ahead of the 2018 nfl draft russell wilson is one of five nfl quarterbacks in nfl history to surpass 200 passing touchdowns in his first eight seasons uh dan marino is also among that group of five and seeing those five players it was peyton manning was one dan marino was two Russell Wilson was three, Brett Favre was four, and Matt Ryan was five. Those are the only five quarterbacks in NFL history with over 200 pa- uh, touch- touchdown passes in their first eight seasons. Russell Wilson, unbelievable light ball security. Uh, Dan Marino had the most interceptions of in that group with 136. Peyton Manning at 130. Uh, Brett Favre was like 118. Matt Ryan was 107. Russell Wilson has thrown 68 interceptions to go along with 227 passing touchdowns in his first eight seasons in the NFL. Just unbelievable. He's averaging less than 10 interceptions a year for eight years and over 26 passing touchdowns. But anyway, I say all that to say this. uh, The sack numbers, Russell Wilson, for all of his ball security uh, with turnovers and throwing interceptions, only 68 interceptions over that course of that time, those eight seasons, he's been sacked 347 times. I'm going to say it again, 347 times. It's almost like 10% of his past attempts. Dan Marino was sacked the least amount of times out of any of those five quarterbacks that are the most successful in terms of passing touchdowns in their first eight NFL seasons in NFL history. Dan Marino was sacked less than 100 times in eight years his first eight seasons in the (laughs) NFL. Think about that. Stop and just think about it was like an ungodly number of pass attempts, too. And he was sacked on 2.8% of pass attempts over the course of like 4,000 pass attempts to start his career for eight seasons. Nobody else was even close Nobody else was even close. I think Peyton Manning had like 3.8% and he was the next closest guy. Dan Marino sacked less than 100 times in his first eight seasons. Now, think about Josh Rosen. How many times was Josh Rosen sacked in 2019? 16 times on 109 pass attempts. 16 times on 109 pass attempts plus the dropbacks in which he was sacked. So you were literally, Josh Rosen in three starts was sacked approximately 25% of Dan Marino's first eight seasons of playing in the NFL. As, let's use that as a point of reference for this time to release concept and what Tua needs to get better at. Before we go any further, and I do have some stats regarding Tua in his last two years at Alabama in this regard, I do want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor of the show, Bilt Bar. I keep talking this protein bar up, and I promise you this is not just fluff. The inside of these bars is fluff, though. It's They chew and eat like candy bars. They're delicious. If you're looking for a meal replacement, post-workout meal, healthy snack, built bar, protein bars, have between 110 and 150 calories per bar. You have one-seventh the sugar and carbs of a typical protein bar, and they have more protein than your average protein bar as well. You go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. You can save $10 off your first box and find out what all the fuss is about. That's builtbar.com, promo code locked on, to save $10 off your first box. So we talked about who the best in the NFL was, according to Next Gen Stats. Andy Dalton, 2.51 seconds. Uh, notable name at number two, Mr. Drew Brees. We missed a little bit of time with a thumb injury in 2019. 2.57 seconds. The third quickest trigger in the NFL is why we are talking about this right now, because his name is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 2.61 seconds, was the third fastest trigger in the NFL last year amongst qualifying passers. Who are some of the slowest? So 2.61 seconds. I had mentioned 2.5 seconds is like your dream scenario. Kirk Cousins had the longest trigger in the NFL, over three seconds time to release. Ryan Tannehill was in the bottom five. 2.9 seconds, held the ball longer. Lo and behold, you get him on an offense that actually is committed to running the ball and has some qualified offensive linemen up front. And he doesn't play half bad, but it makes sense. His style of play resulted in longer holding of the ball within the pocket. The end result was not so great. Sam Darnold, 2.92 seconds. Lamar Jackson, to his credit, 2.92 seconds. But when you're the athlete that Lamar Jackson is, you can pretty much do whatever you want. want, And you can get away with it just fine, which is how you end up throwing for 36 touchdowns and 6 interceptions with a 113.3 quarterback rating on the year. That's the big takeaway here. The Dolphins, if you're going to work around this offensive line issue, you got to be fast on the trigger. There's good news for Tua specifically and how his style of play has evolved over the course of the 2018 college season and the 2019 college season. Uh, his 2018 college season, the year they went to the uh, national championship game and play Clemson the perception you know and the offense was wide open Mike's Lockley Mike Loxley was the offensive coordinator they ran wide open down the field bunch of vertical concepts so on and so forth and Tua uh his depth of target that year in 2018 was 10.5 yards downfield was his average depth of target the 18th highest in the country at Alabama You then take that and you compare it to what he did in 2019 when they transitioned to more pure RPO, West Coast offense style with Steve Sarkeesian in the building. His depth of target dropped two full yards to uh, 8.2. So he was throwing less further down the field, and his time to release was measured at 2.34 2.34 seconds for according to a website entitled secstatcat.com. They do SEC charting of the players. Pretty cool project that they have, but it's just for the SEC. So, according to their measures, to his time to throw in 2019 was 2.34 seconds. Well, if his time to throw was that fast, why does it matter that he gets quicker with his trigger? Because so much of what he did was on his first read. And when his first read's there and you've got four first-round wide receivers, that separation's going to be there, no questions asked. That ball can come out liggety-split. Think about all the plays in which Tua was injured prominently. The 2018 ankle, the 2019 ankle, the 2019 hip. He's trying to extend plays within the pocket. And what's most interesting to me is one of our NFL draft analysts at the DraftNetwork.com, Benjamin Solak, does a quarterback charting project of his own every year. And at the end, when he's done, he puts these players and their these quarterbacks and their measures up against one another to to show where each one of them has won the most... Frequently. For Tua vailoa you're talking approximately 60% of his targets in 2019 were within nine yards or less of the line of scrimmage. Nearly a quarter of his target share, charted by Ben Solak, was behind the line of scrimmage. Anthony Gordon from Washington State was number one at 26.8%. Justin Herbert at two at 26.3%. Jordan Love at three at 26%. Tua was fourth at 24.6%. Joe Burrow was last amongst the eight quarterbacks measured with 13.1%. And then you take into consideration what his ball placement and accuracy was Beyond the first read. So there was a lot of quick game in the offense. We knew that. But when Tua was asked to work beyond the first read, his accuracy suffered significantly. And his accuracy and ball placement when he's on the move outside of the pocket was dead last amongst eighth quarter, the eight quarterbacks measured. Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, Anthony Gordon, Jacob Eason, Tua Tagovailoa. His accuracy and ball placement came in dead last in both categories when he was asked to get outside the pocket to make plays happen. That's why this is important for Tua, and as he moves forward, projecting him into a starting role. If you're going to put him in in 2020, and you're going to put him in sooner rather than later, he better show you mastery of this offense. He better be super comfortable taking the checkdowns. And finding the balance between the big plays he wants to make, and getting the ball out of his hands, and honoring that shot clock in his head, the internal clock. And he had no problem with it at the college level, but you're not going up against dudes who are selling insurance next fall. Like you did at Alabama with some of the guys that you played on the other side of the line of scrimmage for you. We're all professional athletes here. If Tua can find that balance early on, all bets are off as far as, you know, he needs to play, he needs to redshirt, you know, because if he if, if he comes in and he shows a master of the offense and they they don't have any of the issues as far as acclimating to the playbook and the speed of the game and the terminology and so on and so forth, and he can avoid doing what Josh Rosen did, which was hold the ball too long. You can cover up a lot of issues on your own. You better be damn well comfortable with what the medicals look like and what his prognosis looks like. And you better damn well be sure that he's 105% recovered from the hip injury that he suffered in November. But if he is, and he shows you those things, then we can worry about getting him on the field sooner rather than later. Would it still be my preference? No. No. Are, should we? What should our realistic expectations for the Dolphins be based on 2020 with a weird offseason where we're going to be a little late to the game getting everybody on the same page from a chemistry perspective because we're learning remotely right now? Should we expecting this team to make a playoff run and, and win a couple playoff games? No. So what's the rush, in my opinion? But if you wanted to lay out the blueprint and the pathway for getting it done... Those are the things Tua needs to do. That shot clock needs to be crisp. Because it was crisp last year for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he still almost got his head ripped off, and he was still running for his life. The Dolphins' ground game will help. Tua's experience and how he shifted his offense from 2018 to 2019, is a step in the direction that the Dolphins themselves are going to do. And his resume indicates getting the ball out of his hand fast is where he plays best. The Dolphins should look to do the same thing. But if you throw him out there regardless because he was the fifth overall pick and the fans want to see him and you want to see him and you want to evaluate him, listen, the Dolphins had no problem evaluating Josh Rosen in practice all year last year after the three games he started because he wasn't ready to protect himself and elevate the play of the offense around him. I think that's your best indicator of what attitude the Dolphins themselves are going to have. But we should be excited Either way, because we have a quarterback here who is an elite talent in so many areas. You know, I mentioned with Benjamin Solak's quarterback, contextualized quarterbacking, uh, outside the pocket, his accuracy and placement were dead last amongst the charted quarterbacks. You look in a lot of different spots, and two is at the top of the charts. So let's not sit here and get too upset. Uh, accuracy and ball placement on the depth of target behind the line of scrimmage, he was. Uh, cream of the crop, you look at his accuracy and ball placement uh, inside of the 9 to 10-yard window, he's inside the top three. He was the most accurate quarterback from 10 to 19 and had the best ball placement in the 10 to 19. He was best ball placement and third-best accuracy in the 20-plus yards downfield. So it doesn't matter where you're going to ask him to throw the ball. He's accurate, but it's typically when he's within the pocket and able to stay balanced on his feet to make those throws. You ask him to get outside the pocket, that's when you get some variance in his ball placement skills and his ability to consistently thread the needle and generate force. So let's use that knowledge to our advantage, knowing where Tua needs to go, knowing what this offense needs to do to prevent a stable, healthy learning environment for Tua as a rookie in 2020, presuming he sees the field. I'm Kyle Krabs. It's going to do it for us this week on Locked on Dolphins. Another week in the books. These things are flying by. Uh, Here's hoping we get some more progress. We're supposed to be hearing uh, some more from the NFL, or at least that's my expectation, based on the memos that they've sent out to uh, the teams regarding Uh, The next steps and phases in reopening and bracing for training camp. So I'm sure we'll have that to talk about next week. In addition to uh, some expectations for the Dolphins' defensive side of the ball. How they match up specifically with some of the tougher challenges they're going to face next season. uh, Lots to look forward to, so hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, brought to you by Built Bar. And I hope you all enjoy your weekends.